and put a knife to your throat. If you are a man of great appetite, do not desire his delicacies for it is deceptive food. And then go down to verse six, six through eight, six through eight. Excuse me. Do not eat the bread of a selfish man or desire his delicacies. For as he thinks within himself, so he is. He says to you, eat and drink, but his heart is not with you. You will vomit up the morsel you have eaten and waste your compliments. And then if you'll jump down to verse 20, uh, 20 and 21. Do not be with heavy drinkers of wine or with gluttonous eaters of meat. For the heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty and drowsiness will clothe one with rags. And if you'll go down to verse 26 to 28, give me your heart, my son, and let your eyes delight in my ways. For a harlot is a deep pit and an adulterous woman is a narrow well. Surely she lurks as a robber and increases the faithless among men. And then finally, verses 29 to 35, who has woe, who has sorrow, who has contentions, who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long over wine, those who go to taste mixed wine. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. At the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your mind will utter perverse things. And you will be like one who lies down in the middle of the sea. One like or excuse me, or like one who lies down on the top of a mast. They struck me, but I did not become ill. They beat me, but I did not know it. When shall I awake? I will seek another drink. Proverbs gives a lot of instruction to young people in social situations and matters. And I think young people even today would do well to listen to what Proverbs has to say. As one who's been doing campus ministry for 17 years, plus having been a college student myself, I know uh, the influences, many times negative, that can occur because of social situations. And so here we have uh, the author of Proverbs giving us exhortations, exhortations to young men in particular, but it applies to us all, exhortations to young people uh, in various social situations, eating and drinking is such a part of human life that the Bible gives us some very practical wisdom and warnings. And I want to uh, outline uh, these verses in three parts. First of all, we have exhortations in the social situation. Number one, in the presence of the powerful verses one to three in the presence of the powerful. What do you do when somebody uh, who is an authority figure invites you to come on up and dine with him. Verses one to three uh, exhortations to social situations in the presence of the powerful. Number two, exhortations to young people in social situations. Secondly, in the presence of wicked and selfish men. Verses six to eight. What to do when the host is wicked or selfish. And then. <coughs> Um, verse 20 and 21, 26 to 28 and 29 to 35. 
exhortations to young people in social situations in the presence of partiers. And let me give you the uh, I'm going to give you in the second point. I changed that, actually, and I forgot to change it in my top introduction part, but I changed it in the body of it in order to keep up with the alliteration here with all the P's. I changed it. I'm sorry. I need to correct myself. The second is in the presence. Now, don't say I never helped you on your SAT. okay? in the presence of the penurious and parsimonious. (laughs) I had to find that in the in the uh, thesaurus, but we found it. But essentially to stingy people in the presence of the penurious and parsimonious. All right. So it's the presence of the powerful versus one to three in the presence of the penurious and parsimonious six to eight. And then the third point in the presence of partiers is the third one in the presence of partiers. How do we conduct ourselves as believers in all three social situations here. All right. Let's look together again at the first three verses. The first part here deals with when a ruler invites you over. When you sit down to dine with a ruler. So this would be boys and girls say that the president of the United States has invited you to a, to some kind of state dinner at the White House. You you were invited to come Maybe to the governor's mansion. When you sit down to dine with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat. Now, that sounds kind of violent. What do you mean? Take the knife that is in on your dinner plate by your dinner plate and put it to your own throat. What the author is saying here is you need to be careful when you go to these situations, because you need to remember they have an agenda, too. And their agenda may not square with Christ's agenda for your life and Christ's agenda for the life of the church. Let me give you some examples. Uh, you know, in many years in the in the 70s, um, you know, it was thought that, you know, Christians should not be involved in politics. You know, the 50s, 60s, 70s. And there was a change in the 70s to that um, with the coming, uh, I think, in the mid 70s after Carter got elected and Carter was a self-professing Christian and there was a lot of disappointment in evangelical circles and political activity uh, began to go on the upswing among evangelicals after that. More and more people. You had Falwell starting Moral Majority, you had Robertson starting his organizations and you had um, all these conservative groups reaching out now to religious people and And Chuck Colson had warned as one who worked for the Nixon administration, then later became an evangelical himself. Chuck Colson said the same thing that I think the text says here. We need to be careful as evangelicals when a particular candidate ended up winning. They actually um, started singing, uh, you know, Amazing Grace and and, uh, Happy Days Are Here Again. And Colson warned, "You you need to be careful now that you're getting these invitations to the White House. Now you're getting a seat at the table. Evangelicals were not a seat at the table for many decades. Um, you need to be careful because you need to realize they're playing you. And Chuck Colson said that he saw it as chief of staff many times himself. People with uh, maybe even an adversarial approach to that of the president's would be brought into the very Oval Office itself. And he said it was almost like just a a magic trick that the count has just changed. Just the 
the aura of finally being in the Oval Office with the president. And he saw he saw he said he saw people melt like butter. People who even may have gone into that meeting thinking, no, I'm going to stand firm. I'm going to stand firm. And uh, and they didn't. And that's what is the warning is here when they say, take the knife and put it to your own throat is don't think that they don't have their own agenda. They do. And they may be using you. So when you're invited, he's not saying don't go, but he's saying you better be careful when you do. Now, I think a very positive example could be Daniel. Uh, Daniel, of course, in some ways had to go. He was taken captive as a teenager, but he obviously was being trained by the Babylonian government for purpose of uh, helping with the bureaucracy. And you'll note that Daniel abstained from the king's table because he was worried he was going to get co-opted. He was going to he was afraid he was going to defile himself with the king's food and he was going to forget Jerusalem. And so he purposed with his friends that they were not going to eat everything of the king's bounty. And, you know, the story how, um, you know, the, the king's man was a little afraid you know, what do you mean? You only want vegetables. You're going to look skinny. You're going to look unhealthy. And I'm going to get in trouble. And, and he said, well, just test us and see how we look and judge our appearance based on others. And and then do as you think we need to do. And of course, God blessed that. And and uh, they, you know, had as much weight and countenance as anybody else. And and so the um, king's man let him continue to eat that, uh, uh, shall we say, um more humble a meal than everybody else was eating. <coughs> so I think as Christians, we run the risk. We need to be careful uh, not wanting to be seen as well. Let me say this: we, Christians sometimes have fallen into the trap of wanting to be seen as people who are making a difference, quote unquote. And therefore, they, they want to be seen as people who have a seat at the table, who uh, get their picture taken with the congressman, with the senator, with the president, and they, be, and then they can put it on their wall. And uh, even pastors I've seen can fall into this. You know, like Colson, as you all know, I, I worked on the political end before I worked as a pastor. Uh, my first job was working as a political guy. Well, one of my jobs was kind of liaison with um, the pastors because I myself was an evangelical. And we would, we would have breakfasts specifically for pastors, you know, to aim at them and, and, and to get that community's vote. So um, a lot of what is being done is, is purposeful. And so the warning is here. If you're a man of great appetite, you especially need to be careful. He says, do not desire his delicacies for his deceptive food and recognize that uh, there are times that people want to use the church and uh, and want to treat us like we're just another um, interest group. And, and we have to avoid that. We're not just another interest group. We, we, we are the church of the living God. And therefore, we need to uh, be different than uh, others. Uh, John the Baptist was willing to live an ascetic lifestyle. He had to. He was a Nazarite. Um, but he preached before King Herod. And of course, you know, it cost him his life eventually. Um, but he was faithful in, in that. So be careful 
Um, you can apply this to other situations, maybe where you're invited uh, to uh, higher circles than you previously have been accustomed to moving in and make certain that you don't compromise yourself in those situations. So there's a warning uh, when it comes to eating and drinking in the presence of the powerful. Uh, don't allow the um, the riches and the fare and the food and everything else, all the trappings that come with wealth and power uh, blind you to what may really be going on. OK, that's why he says it, you know, the food is deceptive here. Um, it, it, it is a means really to trying to um, hook you in a way. And we need to we need to realize that and be careful. It's a very tenuous dance that the church does with the state. Um, state and church relations have been tenuous for 2000 plus years and it still continues uh, that way. And our job is to be faithful, first and foremost, to Christ, uh, no matter what the cost, even if it means we don't get that seat at the table you know, any longer. I'm not going out, going to go out of my way to be obnoxious and not get the seat at the table. But um, I'm also not going to compromise uh, the convictions of the Bible uh, just to have that seat. It may be that they're going to bring you and invite you to these dinners, maybe so that you'll soften up a little bit and uh, on on the issue of marriage and, you know, not speak out so much against same-sex marriage or abortion or whatever it may be. Um, and we need to beware of that. There are some who want that as a political strategy. You Christians, hush on those social issues. You're making it difficult for us all. You know, just focus on the economics. It's the economy, stupid kind of thing. You know, you remember that was Clinton's political advisor, you know, his charge of uh, why Bush one was doing so badly. And uh, so there, there are others who want us to be quiet uh, on these issues. And the temptation is that when you move up into higher circles to be quiet uh, on those issues. All right. I'm going to keep moving. Number two. Um, exhortations to young men in social situations in the presence of the penurious and parsimonious uh, P-E-N-U-R-I-O-U-S parsimonious P-A-R-S-I-M-O-N-I-O-U-S and what does that mean? It means stingy boys and girls the person think about Nabal y'all remember the story about Nabal Nabal was a stingy man remember David had been protecting Nabal and Nabal's flock. And the time had come for the sacrifice. And David was wondering if Nabal could give him and his men uh, some of the fruits of what they had been protecting. And Nabal wanted nothing to do with it. Nabal was a stingy man and he wasn't going to share uh, his flock with anybody and so, anyway, Abigail, his wife, had to save the day. David was going to kill Nabal, and Abigail saved David from doing that. Anyway, in verse 6 here, look what uh, the NAS translates it, uh, selfish man. Um, I think the old King James is uh, man with an evil eye, I think is how I remember from yesterday that it, it translated it. Do not eat the bread of a selfish man or a wicked man or a man with an evil eye or desire his delicacies. All right. So uh, this is if a stingy or selfish man 
invites you to eat with him. And uh, and why why warn young men about this? Well, Proverbs obviously knows that we can't see into a person's heart, but we do have to sometimes make judgment calls about a person's character. And here Proverbs seems to be suggesting that we decline invitations to those who are worldly men uh, who are insincere in their desire to bless you. They say one thing, but inwardly they feel the opposite. So you'll notice here in verse seven, it says, for he thinks within himself, so he is. That is, that's who he really is. He says to you, however, eat, drink, but his heart is not with you. So this is somebody who's saying, oh, yeah, 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 go ahead, go ahead. You know, help yourself. And inwardly, they're thinking, go away. I don't eat anything of mine. You know, um, I don't want to you to do this. And they're maybe even calculating within how much this is costing them. Um, and uh, and. The proverb seems to be saying here, if you eat the from the table of such a person, you'll you'll regret it later. Um, I'll give you an illustration. One time um, I was traveling and ate at this restaurant and I got food poisoning. I think it's the only time in my life it's ever happened to me. And, and you know, by the time I got home, I mean, I, no sooner was I in the house than I was in the restroom. And it was terrible. Um, and, and I felt awful. And, and you continue to you know, have these pains after even it's over. And uh, um, but it, what, what's interesting, though, is that um, the psychological impact it has on you, you, you never want to go back to that place where it was. I mean, it doesn't you, you just you just cannot go there anymore. You cannot go to back to that restaurant. It just because it just jars these really bad memories in you and you're like, I just can't go there. And um, and here you'll note that that's the comparison that the author is making here. Uh, he says he says the guy says eat, drink, and then you find out later uh, he, his heart really wasn't with you. And it says you will vomit up the morsel you have eaten and waste your compliments. Um, you will come to regret uh, that you that you ever ate with that man, just as I regret I ever ate at that restaurant in another town. Don't worry, it's not here in Lagrange, so you're good. Um, but uh, I, you'll you'll end up regretting it. Um, and so um, here's a situation where Proverbs is saying, you know, go ahead and decline <laughs> the invitation if you really think it's not a sincere invitation. You'd probably be wise to decline it, which I think is an interesting and insightful um, piece of advice here. I want to move on uh, finally to the third point, and that is uh, exhortations to young men in social situations in the presence of partiers. We had presence of powerful in the presence of the penurious and parsimonious and now uh, finally, in the presence of partiers. Now, this comes in three different sections. The first one is in verse 20 and 21. And that theme seems to be taken up in verse 29 to the end of the chapter. Um, and that has to deal with uh, heavy eating and drinking. Look at verse 20, uh, verse 20 with me. Do not be with heavy drinkers of wine or with gluttonous eaters of meat. Now, this is really interesting. Notice here it says, do not be 
with heavy drinkers of wine. Not just (coughs) you don't drink heavily, but here it seems to be kind of what Paul says, you know, bad company corrupts good morals. And I think this is where a lot of young people need to be careful because they think, well, I can go, you know, and hang out in these social scenes and I'll be okay. I'll be untainted. You might be able to, but here it's saying, be careful. Do not be with heavy drinkers of wine. And I want you to see here, it says with gluttonous eaters of meat too. You know, I think we give gluttony the pass here in 21st century century America. But gluttony and drunkenness are, are seen as twins here. They go uh, hand in hand. And, and I think we need to think about the eating aspect here in America uh, as well. But the idea is that we be careful. Um, verse 21, for the heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty. That is somebody who just lives for eating and drinking. Uh, drowsiness will clothe the one. So beware of the party scene because it will lead to uh, impoverishment. Um, it will lead to a li- living for pleasure will end up being bad for you in the end. Uh, this is this is the problem we find with the very wealthy um, is the, the first generation makes all the money. And then by the third generation, the grandkids um, are live are living a very immoral lifestyle because that's all they're doing. They're living for self. They're living for parties. And and they they end up squandering the family's inheritance, that which the first generation uh, by their industry and by their talents created um, then is destroyed by the third generation uh, because often they are just uh, living for the party. So beware of the party scene. Notice here with that, um, they also mention us being sexually immoral with the drunkenness. You notice in verse 26 and following, give me your heart, my son, and let your eyes delight in my ways for a harlot is a deep pit. Now, you have to remember that Proverbs is written for young men. That's why it's, they're saying, watch out for the the adulterous woman. Everything that applies and is said to the young men can be said to the young women as well. Watch out, you know, for the player, the guy who's a player out there. Uh, beware of the adulterous woman. Uh, she is a narrow well. She lurks as a robber and increases. Now, there's a little bit of controversy as to the meaning here of increases the faithless among men. I tend to go with the take that the adulterous woman creates a, a multiplication of faithlessness in that the more guys she is able to seduce, she's increased faithlessness in the community that much more. Uh, there are some other takes on the actual, on the meaning of verse 28, but that kind of is, is my take. So notice that the drunkenness and the sexual immorality are being brought together here. And that is often the case that when one gives oneself to drunkenness, whether through drug abuse or whether through uh, excess drinking, that also sexual immorality is not far behind. And here you can see the reason why in verses 29 to 35. Well, Uh, alcohol, when consumed heavily, uh, causes one to lose their senses. It says in verse 30, those who linger long over wine, those who 
go to taste mixed wine. It says it goes down smoothly, but it bites like a serpent. And your eyes will see strange things. Your mind will utter perverse things. That is the, the inner depravity that is within us comes out. You know, the Romans used to have a little Latin phrase that said in, in vino veritas, meaning in wine comes truth. And, and people get drunk and things come out that might not come out because the, the conscience says don't or the, the restraint of social pressure says don't say it. And, and so people get drunk and then that inhibition is lost and people say these things and they'll say, oh, that's not who I was. I was drinking too much. Well, actually, the Bible is saying, no, that that really is who you are. You you just uh, because you were inebriated, it came out. Um, your mind will utter perverse things and you will be like one who lies down in the middle of the sea and, and the effects of the alcohol here um, creating uh a sense of instability uh, physically upon the person. Um, well, let me say a few things by way of, of conclusion here uh, about this. First of all, eating and drinking are matters of life. We, we uh, were created with a body and uh, we are to take care of that body. Uh, we are to uh, use our bodies for the glory of God and we're to eat. Paul says whether you eat or drink, do it to the glory of God. Eating and drinking is a, a part of fellowship. It's a part of our humanity. But we need wisdom. Young people need wisdom in various social settings. Um, the kingdom of Jesus Christ is represented by you and me. And sometimes our commitment to Jesus Christ will be tested and tried in variety of settings. Uh, the Lord in his providence will put you in uh, dinners that uh, may test your commitment to Christ. And we need to be prepared for that. Maybe it's a business dinner. Maybe it's a sales dinner. Um, maybe it's a, a community dinner for your subdivision or something like that. Maybe it is actually getting invited uh, by the governor or somebody to come uh, we need wisdom in these social settings. We are Christ ambassadors and we need to represent ourselves well. We need to be discerning what kind of person it is that we are going to dine with. And this is where we come to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ perfectly navigated all of these various situations with absolute holiness. This is the one of the amazing things to me that Jesus could uh, be so wise and handle every situation according to the way Scripture would have him do it. And, and he navigated it perfectly. And, and he knew how to eat and drink with sinners in such a way that reached out to sinners but never compromised who he was. And this is the challenge for us all. Some try to avoid the challenge Altogether, by never eating with sinners, I would suggest that we not pursue holiness that way, that holiness is not just to be found in segregation. On the other hand, as we eat and drink with unbelievers, because it is a common grace thing to eat and drink with others, that we do so with wisdom, that we do, if need be, put the knife to our throat metaphorically uh, and think about 
What's going on here? Why was I invited to this dinner? What's the purpose of this? Uh, is there any possible reason that I might be asked to compromise my commitment to Jesus Christ in any way? Um, and that by my eating of all the delicacies here, I'm just setting myself up for that compromise. We are supposed to be wise followers of our Savior. And that is the purpose for which Proverbs was written to instruct us uh, in the ways of Jesus Christ that we might walk even as Jesus himself walked. Let's pray together.